everybody. How are you? This is Sean Harwell. Guess what? Surprise. You're listening to the Never Heard of a Podcast once again. I believe this is episode 58, if you can believe it. We hardly can. Yeah, 58 is great. And this is the podcast where we talk about movies that have fallen through our cracks. We've been stuck doing this awesome series on 1985 movies. So we're taking a movie that, you know, maybe fell through the crack and pairing it with one that, you know, did not necessarily, but maybe one we didn't get to, like today's movies. But first, let me talk to the other side of the room. And it's not just an echo chamber, hopefully. And uh, I'll say hello to my... Loyal co-host. My Hello. new co-host. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Craig? How are you, Craig? It is. It is. Yeah, exactly. It, yes. Surpre- okay. That's yeah. what I went for as uh, uh, for Halloween <laughs> was an echo chamber. The echo chamber? Yeah. Wow. People really like that. got tired of it really fast. I didn't understand. Yeah, that's a long night. That's a really long yeah, night. That'll be yeah. good. Uh, but my name's Craig. I'm the co-host uh, um, of, of the show. And uh, this is this is one of our full-fledged episodes. Uh, the last full-fledged episode we had, we talked about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and uh, Friday the 13th Part 5. Uh, so you should definitely yeah. check that out if you can. Uh, if you haven't. Those are fun. Yeah. Uh, are fun. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're continuing this uh, series of 1985. And uh, tonight, Sean, what are we, what are we, we going to talk about? We got Desperately Seeking Susan and The Legend of Billie Jean, one uh, I suspect you heard mm-hmm. of if you haven't mm-hmm. seen, and the other maybe you have heard of, or it might be new to you as it was to me. First, uh, our website might also be new to you, and if it is, you definitely should go check that out. It's neverheardpodcast.com. That'll take you everywhere you need to go. If you scroll down far enough, at least, you'll find links to all our social uh, media outlets and presents. Mm, presents? Well, there, it's gifts, but it's also presents oh. with a C-E. Oh, I, yeah. I see. Susan, I, I thought we all thought you were dead. Just the New Jersey. Let's start with Desperately Seeking Susan. And I think I would just like to know... Hmm. I'm trying to figure out a very specific question to ask about this movie. Mm-hmm. It was Madonna. Okay, tell me what you thought of this movie, but by also talking about, because we got into this a little bit in the tee-up, about what you thought it was going to be. Right. And uh, they hit us up with that a little bit first, and then I'll, I'll give a synopsis and everything, and get some initial impressions. But I just want people to be prepared for what we're about to get into. Right. Uh, just just how I felt about it? How did it make you feel inside? Um, I got into the groove. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's an odd one. the The tone is pretty odd. Um, it, it really like flips around, and it, it's it's a parody sometimes, and it's super serious sometimes. Gets a little bit dark. Um, it's generally funny. I don't know. I I felt like it was a it was a pretty confident movie, but but that's. Uh, you said something during the tee up about you know it wasn't it probably isn't the movie that we were sold back in the day right. from the commercials and trailers and I think that's absolutely true. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, you know I've seen a few things that Madonna has acted in, and this is this was never one of them. Like I only saw bits and pieces yeah. of this one, and I would say she does a pretty good job in this. Um, Agree. 
Uh, and you, you know, for for the for the anecdote that I that I told last time about apparently them not being so impressed with her acting or so on, I, f- I felt like she fit right in. I don't feel like she she certainly didn't sink any of the scenes. I thought Roseanne Arquette was uh, great. Um, Aiden Quinn is is odd, isn't he? He's an odd He's bird. He's kind of an odd bird. Bit. I mean, definitely good, but uh, but there, yeah. but there are some stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, um, certainly not a bad movie. I was entertained throughout. How how did you feel? Okay, I'm I'm kind of in line with you yeah. here. I think uh, I was thinking that I, this review, I think, for me at least, is going to be brought to you by the letter D. Mm. That's not necessarily my grade of this movie, right. if we were going to do grades, which we're yeah. not. Uh, but my, my kind of big things are disappointed. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that still ties back into my expectations of it, even now, knowing that it's not just a movie about Madonna. And dated. Okay. Because I think, to me... In some ways, this is the most dated movie that we've watched. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Which we can—it's very eighty. We can get into it. Yeah, yeah, we can get into it in detail in a second. Sure. But first, th- yeah, those are the big ticket items for me. And then uh, I'll, I'll give the synopsis just in case you don't know what this movie is about, and then we can kind of talk about how uh, the synopsis maybe doesn't even even really cover it here. Mm-hmm. So this is from IMDb, of course. A bored suburban housewife—that would be Rosanna Arquette. Seeking escape from her life, suffers amnesia after an accident, wakes up, and is mistaken for a free-spirited New York City drifter named Susan, mm-hmm. which would be Madonna, of course. Sure. Um, and so, man, you're already, I think, just in that synopsis, and this is what I thought was a good place to kind of pick up after our initial thoughts, you got two tough hurdles to overcome anytime amnesia and the words mistaken identity (laughs) are tossed about in a plot synopsis. Those are, those are difficult. Those are difficult. I'm not sure this movie completely overcame those difficulties. Right. That said, I feel like I'm with you in that. I think the actors did their damnedest. Uh, I thought Rosanna Arquette was really just quite enjoyable. Um, and that's a tough role, you know? It is. And I would say that I, I find this more immediately entertaining. Like uh, going with mistaken identity and amnesia to, you know, <laughs> to, to basically get you into a story about a woman who is kind of having the identity crisis. Kind of having like the, like, is this sure. where I need to be? Am I a housewife? Or, you know, I'm, I'm like, a, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by this life over here. Like... It's a more immediately yeah. entertaining way to get into that story. Um, I think so. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's a little stalkery. A little oh, yeah. stalkery. That said. But since it's ladies. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It is ladies, so maybe we let it go. And yeah, it's just, it's always a question of then once the mistaken identity device is kind of put in place, it's like, how long are they going to spin that? Mm-hmm. And when are they going to resolve it? And sort of how are they going to resolve it? I mean... Private resort would certainly be an example of one way to do sure. it. When Rob Morrow is mistaken as the barber, even though it feels like that could have been cleared up pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, 
this is another way of doing that where the main character herself doesn't quite know if she is the person that Aiden Quinn believes her to be. Mm-hmm. Now, oh man, it's it's kind of hard because I feel like we got to give a little more detail to kind of get in into that yeah. process because I, I do think like the setup to this movie is so important. In some ways, like the rest of it is is less so. Like it's sort of just about the experience. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit then about setup. You know, I think Rosanna Arquette, yeah, she's in New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. She's married to a guy. Um, what was his name? Gary Glass? Yeah, Gary, Gary Glass. The hot tub king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who I will say, like, I didn't expect that because we, we A, we open in a hair salon, uh, if I'm not. No, or no, do we open on Madonna? Right. right, we open on Madonna taking a Polaroid selfie, actually. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. laying on a rug when whoever she spent the night with is out cold. And I don't know, man. There's some, is it mob stuff? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. There's some earrings of value that belong, I think, to Nefertiti. Of course. Or are of Nefertiti. Right. That changed hands that Will Patton is after. Oh, man. And that guy's a, a nut. Oh, he is a total nut. Um, And that's one of the things that I think is a common thread throughout this movie is that sometimes it feels like certain characters are in different movies a little bit. a little bit. (laughs) But they're they're really bringing it (laughs) to whatever movie that they're in, which I kind of like. But, uh, yeah, so our our introduction to Rosanna Arquette is in a salon. We're going to skip the fact that the color palette in that salon scene almost made me want to vomit. But um, (laughs) we'll come back to that. And... A, this movie is definitely in love with the title because you see it about five different times in the first 10 minutes, right? She's been following this chain of personal ads that always start with Desperately Seeking Susan. Mm -hmm. And she finds this romantic and interesting and wishes that she knew more about it. Uh, Laurie Metcalf plays her Mm sister-in-law. And, you know, she's not as enamored by... I think what's in the newspaper, but I guess she gets it, right? There's a dinner party. All these people are there. That's when we meet Gary, the husband. Laurie Metcalf is all over Stephen Wright because he's a dentist, which I thought was hilarious and loved that. The idea of them as a couple, like I would watch an entire movie with Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, this entire movie does not feature enough of them. But anyway, um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, in the sense, like that Gary and Roberta, Susan, or, or Roseanne Arquette, excuse me, like their relationship, it's not that they're at each other's throat. Right. It's not like it's really dissolving to the point where divorce is being tossed about. It's sort of like he just doesn't really kind of take her for granted. He's not mean to her necessarily. Right. He's just not that interested in whatever she has going on, I guess. And he's polite and he's kind, but there's no spark, right? There's no spark. Uh, I mean, we, we don't know it quite yet at, at the very beginning of the movie, but he is apparently seeing someone else. Yeah. Like, we never really get into that, but he is seeing someone else. Yeah. What I And I think that helps you 
uh, not really feel concern when Roseanne Arquette kind of dumps him by the end of the movie (laughs) and is ready to go off with Aiden Quinn, even though they they really haven't known each other that long. And, oh man, um, I don't even know how exactly these things transpire per se, but she goes looking for Susan based off the personal, in which the personal is like meet me at Battery Park at four o'clock or whatever. And so she goes to more or less eh, stalk, if you want to be mean about it, or just watch, witness mm-hmm. these people and kind of see who they are. And we see Madonna and we see Robert Joy, who plays the character of Jim, who's her kind of boyfriend. He's in a band and he's touring constantly. And that's kind of why he's, I mean, I guess that's why he's doing these personals. I, I mean, we sort of get the sense, I guess, that she doesn't have a permanent address, Madonna. That's how or I feel. At least or not or a, permanent a permanent phone boyfriend. Number. Or anything permanent, really. Yeah, there's really nothing. <laughs> nothing really permanent. And uh, did it cross your mind that this whole movie, like, it, it just would not exist in the age of cell phones? Because you could just call her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. she might be such a free spirit that she doesn't own a cell phone. Could be. That would be yeah. a pretty That'd good be... character trait. Yeah, to let you know that yeah. some, she's, she's off the grid. Yeah. She, wow, that's, yeah. So she is the 1985 version of Off the Grid, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Into the Groove. In, oh, so. Um, yeah. And so Rosanna follows Madonna through the city. Madonna sells, or does she sell or trade her iconic pyramid jacket that she's wearing mm-hmm. at a secondhand store? Tells the guy it was owned by Jimi Hendrix, even though that was BS, and he, of course, didn't even believe it for a second because he turns around and sells it to Rosanna Arquette, saying it belonged to who, Elvis or somebody? Yeah, Elvis. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And and, and Susan gets boots? She gets boots. Out of the deal? That's right. The glittery mirror boots walks out. So free-spirited. She's so free-spirited in her shoe wear selection. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but basically now Rosanna has the accoutrement that she needs to kind of look like Susan. Right. And here, here's God, where some of this breaks down to me. I can't remember <laughs> who does the next. I know it's just like, it's so complicated in it's the setup. Really, of, of yeah. The kind it, of, it comes at you pretty right? quick because they, they've, they've got to set up this amnesia. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. And well, I'm just like thinking this is going to be a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here, here's how Aiden Quinn. This is my main point. Here's how Aiden Quinn and Rosanna Arquette meet because th- this is the crux of the movie. Jim, the boyfriend of Madonna, calls Aiden Quinn and asks him to go meet. Uh, or okay, Rosanna. Arquette, I remember now, has taken out a personal herself, right? Mm-hmm. Calling herself, you know, desperately seeking Susan. This is a stranger, stranger right. or whatever. Meet stranger. Meet me at blah, 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 blah. And so Jim, the boyfriend, sees the personal ad, even though he's not even in New York at this point. He's in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And he calls up Aiden Quinn, his, I guess, kind of friend? Are they just friends? Because they look like they, they, they should be brothers. They look almost exactly the same. Oh, my the God. Same. They look... Yes. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I was like, it's almost like easy to mistake them yeah. at one point. 
He calls up Aiden Quinn, who's working as a film projectionist, which that I liked. I liked his little work yeah. environment, and he's you know got to flip the reels, the projectors, and he screws that up at one point because he's talking on the phone, and people get mad. But he asks Aiden to go there and just make sure everything's okay. He's like, who is this stranger? And, you know, I don't want some bad guy to find Madonna and hurt her. Just make sure everything's okay. But Aiden Quinn, whatever their relationship is, those two dudes, he doesn't know what Susan looks like, right? Right. So they're not the best of friends. This is another one of those movies where it's like, what is this relationship? He seems really annoyed. (laughs) It's like Fright Night, yeah. (laughs) And and, and for some reason, that's what made me think they were brothers. But then at the same time, yeah, what kind of brothers are they if he doesn't have any idea who this girl is that he's crazy about? But then again, I guess we don't really have any idea how long they've been together. Yeah. I mean, long enough that they've been doing personals at least a series of personals yeah. that Rosanna's been following. But they're not together enough that, you know, they're, they're so not together that he has to put personals to, to in the paper to meet her, I guess. That's true. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point, too. At, at any rate, that's that's how these two get together. Right. So Aiden Quinn, goes, he borrows a, a moped mm-hmm. from a Chinese delivery place, right. um, which that may be the common thread uh, mopeds mm-hmm. in these two movies that we're going to talk about. Anyway, and he goes down to this meeting place. Well, Roseanne Arquette is there, and guess what? Will Patton, the baddie who's looking for the earrings that Madonna has and has locked away in a locker, is there too. Mm-hmm. And he sees this girl in the pyramid jacket that he's recognized before. Yeah, he's seen Madonna, right? He knows who he's after, he's- doesn't he? Does he? No, he only saw her once, and he only saw her from the back, right? He walked through the lobby the and saw yep. her jacket. Okay. Yep. And that was when, when he was okay. on the way up to throw the mobster out the window. Yeah. A lot of this movie hinges on that damn jacket. Oof, I, will say. I mean, it's a pretty iconic piece of costume work yeah. there, uh, whoever the costume guy is, or gal. Um, and so he spots a jacket, gets a little rough with Rosanna, and wants her to come with him, and blah, 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 blah. He's a very... He looks like um, Jesus. There was a somebody he looked like. He's got like platinum blonde bleached yeah. hair in this movie. Very uh, just kind of creepy. Like yeah. he plays it straight as a nail, and um, seems like a pretty creepy little dude here. Yeah. And you know, Roseanne's pulling away and raising her voice and trying to get away. And Aiden Quinn's seeing this, and he comes running after her just as she's sort of does she get flung into a lamppost? <laughs> No, I shouldn't be laughing. I think. I mean, how did that happen exactly? Because I look down to make notes, and then I uh, look up again, and there's this really weird slow mo effect going on. Yeah, and it was just bizarre. She didn't. I, I don't think she flew into a into a lamppost, but she she. Uh, yeah, there there there. Did he push her? Well, I mean, is that I, see? I, I think Will saw Will saw the moped coming, and he just he just cut bait and just started walking away, and then okay, and so Des comes up. And he's like, hey, what's, you know, was he bothering you or something? And I think, I think she started pulling away from him. Meanwhile, let's not forget this complication that's been going on is that Madonna (laughs) saw the ad and was going to meet her, but she doesn't meet her. She sees her, but doesn't meet her because Madonna stiffs a cab driver for her fare and he gets the cops on her before she can get to Rosanna. 
There's mm-hmm. so much the cab driver. Yeah. So great. There's so much. Yeah. So, so she kind of sees something happening and realizes that now there are people after her. Madonna does. Uh, before the cops take her away. And Rosanna, I think, just falls. And I'm not sure what causes the fall, but she, that's when she hits her head. And whatever bag she has goes over the side. And now that I think the about it... The bag presumably has her ID in it, obviously. Oh, right. That's that's all it is. It's just it's just her like, identification. So she doesn't. Yeah. And she wakes up otherwise fine, but doesn't know who she is. I have a couple other side questions yeah, about please. that. <laughs> Did it? I mean, look, I'm not a neuroscientist. Did it seem like that hard of a hit to give someone sh- straight up amnesia? <laughs> well, no. I mean, how does that happen? Okay, no. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you have to like a specific pot, spot well, I, on the head. I will point out that recently, my my nephew was accidentally knocked out, like knocked down, slammed his head into the ground, and was out cold. And, oh, and no. apparently had a seizure, and they had to take him to the hospital and check him out. Jeez. And he remembers everything that happened. So, okay. so but, but I mean, again, we're not done with our neuroscientist courses of study. No, we're still in progress. Really, it could just be, honestly, it could just be hitting your head in just the right way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can also just be a traumatic experience can cause amnesia. So... But again, you kind of have to just give That's it. That's pretty that. traumatic. Yeah, you just have to kind of oh, give you, it. You better. Yeah, you definitely better. It's got to be amnesia, it's otherwise a, we're never going to get through this. It's like me asking now, why would Madonna take a cab in the first place? Because they're meeting at the same location that they met the day before, yeah. I think, in movie time at least, and it seemed like wherever she went was in was in within walking distance, right? Seemed like it. I mean, New York, is, it's pretty easy to get around without a cab, right? Uh, I've, I've rarely taken cabs in New York. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. She just thought, I'll just hand you a couple pennies and then run out of the cab and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. She is, this is the kind of free spirit that we're talking about here, guys. Yeah, she's a, she's a, a, a welcher, a moocher. She's a yeah. freeloader. She's a material girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's messing around. Okay, and so that's it. I mean, like, uh, that easy first act... Mm-hmm. That we just recap to you all is uh, how the movie gets the wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, like all the performances, I like that Aiden Quinn is like, you know, yeah, I'm really sorry, but uh, I got to get back to work. Um, you know, go down the Port Authority, blah, blah, blah. Changes his mind, comes back. You can stay at my house for a day kind of thing. And like he, I felt, was at least reasonably suspicious yeah. Of just letting a stranger into his house. A stranger with amnesia. Just, stranger yeah. with amnesia. Um, though, he, uh, yes, it, this is someone whom he does believe to be his friend's girlfriend. Sure. Um, and, you know, the question of how close of friends they are will come up again a little bit because <laughs> of things that happen between Des and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and Roberta there. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I mean that's that's sort of your Rosanna your storyline. Mm-hmm. It's it's those two kind of getting to know each other, trying to piece together who she is exactly, what who Susan is. Oh, she's got a key mm-hmm. in the pocket of the jacket. Well, where's the key? That's for a locker at the that's the port authority, right? I believe so. Or the train station somewhere. In the locker, there's Madonna's uh, circular luggage. Yeah, <laughs> gaudy circular luggage. 
uh, full of stuff. And, you know, that leads to, I think, some more Will Patton uh, breadcrumbs. Now, I got to admit, I mean, there's there's a middle part of this movie that is still a little blurry to me. Yeah. Because there's just things that happen. And then the next thing you know, um, Laurie Metcalf, Gary are getting involved because it's weird that Roberta hasn't come home yet. Maybe yeah. she's found somebody else. Uh, I think that's when it comes out that Gary himself is cheating, but he still wants to find where the heck his wife is, that right. kind of thing. And uh, remind me, somehow Madonna gets in contact with him, correct? Yeah. Boy, how does she do that? <laughs> that that's my point. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the bigger thing. Because this is what I want to get into. Sure. It felt like Madonna ended up with those guys more than she's really with Rosanna Arquette in this movie. And to me, well, A, is that a fair statement? I mean, maybe she's not with them more. But I felt a keen lack of seeing them together. Yeah, well, two girls yeah. that are on the poster. Two girls with arm around each other, and and yeah, I, I always kind of had this idea in my head that that what this movie was is that Madonna is basically going to take her on this adventure. Yes, like you're going become to become streetwise. I'm going to make you streetwise, exactly. kind of, and bring you into my world. Exactly. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I even like no. Yeah, God. Knowing that the movie was not Madonna's movie, you know, we talked about that. Like, I'm totally fine with that. I totally get it. It makes so much sense because even though I think they promoted it as Madonna's movie in a lot of ways, um, even that little clip that we played in the in the tee-up where it was all about Madonna for the premiere of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, we knew, like, of course, yeah. She had to audition twice and take four weeks of acting classes just to get the job. Yeah. She's not the main character. Right. But I still, yeah, I'm totally with you. I thought this was going to be that movie of her teaching Rosanna Arquette what her world is like. This, like, girl power, like, pseudo Thelma and Louise before Thelma and Louise kind of thing, maybe if we're lucky. Yeah. And just sort of bring her into, you know, from Jersey into New York and show her what the city is like at that time. And, boy, that's just that's just not what this movie is at all. No. And that's to me, it was, like, the biggest disappointment in all this because at the end of the day... It's sort of about, I don't even know what it's about for Madonna, but for Rosanna Arquette, it's kind of like going from one relationship straight into another one. You Pretty know? much, yeah. And it's like, I, I, maybe she figured out kind of who she is or found what she's looking for in Aiden Quinn. But especially like thinking now, I so much would have preferred like now. It's like, no, like she needs to find another strong female presence that's like living the life that she wants without a man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even think about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm unhappy in this life. I wish I was with a different man. Yeah. Like, is that, that I just met, yeah. you know? Um, so that Boy. to me is, that's the key disappointment in this movie is that, Hey, I just, I, because I'm kind of with you. Like, Madonna's not bad at all in this movie, I don't think. There's like one scene where I felt like she had some dialogue that, you know, it just felt a little like amateurish in the reading. Sure. In the delivery. 
But other than that, like, no, like she's, I enjoyed watching her presence and like, she's fun and like, she's Madonna, you know? Yeah. That's like what you would want from her first movie. And like, she totally nailed that. Yeah. She Definitely. nailed being herself, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy the part to do. She was born I'm not to play. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. I just, it felt like in hindsight, like a missed opportunity uh, to do something a bit more with those two main female characters. Because like we said, like, you know, we've been talking about 15, 16 movies now, and this is literally the first one to feature uh, a woman in the lead, let alone two. And right. yeah, I don't know. I was I was hoping for more, Craig. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Well, let's talk a little bit about how the movie is dated then, because that to me was like the other thing that really stuck out. And I, I was wondering, like, I think it's going to be interesting to look at these things as we're doing this here. Because uh, it occurred to me that maybe the the real straight genre movies you know that we've been watching, maybe those are gonna like hold up a little bit better as far as being dated than like the the stuff that kind of leans a little more serious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't necessarily know why that is, and maybe it like won't be the case when we get around to watching, you know, out of Africa or something. <laughs> but, no, I hear you. But I don't know. I just like with both of these movies, actually, and we'll get to that when we, we talk about the next one. But it just felt like, and obviously, there, this movie takes place in the present, but so have a lot of the other ones that we've watched, right? Um, but from the word go, like I'm telling you, like inside, like all the set decoration and dressing and just like the color choices, man, mm-hmm. that salon. Like, did you notice that? Like, it's just like this weird pastel peachy color and i was just like this just looks gross like it looks yeah. like well i seem to remember or something yeah for some reason around that time i seem to remember the color combo of like peach and gray yeah was like yeah. a yep. thing and like peach and gray man that's i mean it's, it's salmon it's it's literally <laughs> salmon like it's 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 almost <laughs> yeah but uh um but no i actually i had a note down whenever uh whenever susan kind of hooks up with Gary and there's a bit where she goes into their bedroom and that's the pinkest mm-hmm. bedroom I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's, it's got, just got wallpaper with this pink pattern all around it. And like, everything's just pink. It's like, Oh my God. Like, right. how it, it, like, yeah, yeah. But there's a, I mean, there's, there's definitely, it's definitely a very colorful movie anyway. Yeah, it is. And like, not, I certainly not all of it looks bad. It's nice. I think yeah. to see, it's always nice to see New York, um, from like, you know, earlier time periods yeah. and, and see they're out there filming the street you know, you got G and Carlo Esposito out there. It's like hawking hats so and good. watches and looks so much like he did and do the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, that was a nice little fun thing. And all the other, you know, New York actors that you talked about, um, popping up here and there with John Turturro and, but like stuff like that. Again, I think sort of the quickness to which she falls into a relationship, that's a little dated. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, obviously, the music is of the period. That didn't really even bother me, though, you know? I felt, I don't know if the version you watched, but I do feel, oddly enough, the version of uh, Get Into the the Groove that's at the end credits, like, it sounded terrible for some reason when I was watching this. Well, apparently it's Um, the demo. Oh, well, that would make sense because yeah. it sounds like it's recorded in a toilet or something. Yeah, it, it exactly. Yeah, it's it's like not fully like mastered or something. And oh, uh, I bet that's some sort of licensing thing. Maybe. And speaking of which, at the beginning of the movie, they play the song "Urgent," 
which yeah they did right was what by foreigner originally it's a different version though right it's a totally yeah. different version by junior walker i guess uh-huh. is singing it um yeah I was, I was trying to figure out what was going on there like i kept hearing i was like something's not right like these lyrics i know every one of these lyrics <laughs> something's not right yeah i did too i did the same thing yeah. emergency um interesting uh but yeah there's little things in there throughout that i think you're gonna see and pick up on and go wow this is really this is really 1985 i'm looking at right here and uh maybe in ways that you don't when you watch something even like back to the future goonies or some you know or i mean i was thinking about you know when you're talking about the rooms and the pink and you know we kind of laughed at robert rustler's room in nightmare on elm street 2 in his leather duvet Oh yeah, Which I'm still jealous of. Oh yeah, but even like I was saying, you know, even in like some of these horror movies, well, maybe Once Bitten's not the best example, <laughs> but you know, it's the way they shoot the thing is it's you're not getting a ton of like bright light daytime exterior stuff anyway yeah. for a lot of them mm-hmm. that it does. I don't know, it doesn't stick out and hit you in the face quite as much as as maybe it did in this movie for me anyway. Maybe so, um, I don't know. Is it is it okay that Madonna's nips are like visible uh, several times in the movie, but very very early on? You know, I mean, that's I don't know. May, is that just like feeding into the, the the legend of who she was at the time? Or I I mean, I definitely feel that way because I remember how so you know she obviously became very popular, and I remember there being a lot of jokes about. How she just wears underwear over top of her clothes. Lace. Like she all. Was, yeah. yeah. So much lace. Very much lace. Again, this was supposed to be a, a rated R movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, Madonna is not someone who is afraid to show herself off. No. So, uh, yeah, I think I think all of that was uh, 100% planned. Yeah, and again, it's it's a female director, female writer. I mean, not that that means yeah. there wasn't pressure by anybody else to to put that in this movie, but right. I do kind of wonder about that, uh, and certainly in hindsight, if, if there was any indication there. But also, I mean, like watching that and thinking about it, it's like, golly, like, I, can you imagine any sort of pop star uh, taking this trajectory, any female pop star right. today? I mean, I, you know, I think Lady Gaga is like the obvious comparison, but... I don't think she was quite as young. Yeah, not even. Yeah. Well, she hasn't really. Well, she's done an American Horror Story, but you know. Um, yeah. I don't think she got naked in that or showed her. Right. Her boobies. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. It was like it's definitely such a different time. Yeah. Uh, for for that kind of marketing too, um, and those seeing those worlds kind of cross over. Well, um, and even for yeah. her to to become popular and then be in a movie that that it's literally not just about her playing herself. Yeah. Like it's uh-huh. it's not you know Purple Rain or, or you know any like or 8 Mile. What was know, like well yeah. uh, there was like a Rick wasn't like a Rick Springfield movie or something. Like I remember like I'm sure yeah, people was. would have like a hit single and then there'd be a movie about him. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a bunch of acting. Yeah. Um it's not from Justin to Kelly. Uh, or what was it, Britney Spears' Crossroads? I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Um, 
And I, I suspect that this movie, at the end of the day, like as much as you know, we can criticize it here, it's probably better than a lot of the. I mean, I loved Eight Mile, but you know, yeah. a lot of these things. Oh yeah, I think it it's, felt like the right positioning for her. I guess totally, um, totally. To I mean, like something. it's, it's certainly a, to me, it's like a more interesting. It's just a more interesting way to go. Yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah, and it, it's it definitely takes some pressure off of her in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think, you know, again, 31st on the year at the box office, $27 million this movie. I mean, that you know, it's right behind Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. And I think both of those movies, I think they do sort of prove what can happen in the box office when you've got some element that gives you a built-in box office, you yeah. know, an audience, excuse me. For sure, yeah. Because, you know, who, did, who were we talking about? Like they wanted Goldie Hawn or somebody for this yeah. originally? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I don't think this movie would have done as well if it's just another actress in that role. I don't think so either. But like I think it was, you know, it's, 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 it seems like it's a case of, you know, you have Madonna, who's, which is a huge hook because no one's seen her act, but everyone is thinking right. about her right now. And then you mm-hmm. go and see the movie, and you got a great cast. You have an interesting story. You know, it's not just a fluff piece for this pop star. Um, right. So yeah, I mean that's that's great. Like it doesn't doesn't have to be Citizen Kane, but you know, just the fact <laughs> people can go watch it and like it's funny, it's entertaining, and then they go you know tell their friends it's pretty good, and yeah. you know it was fresh, dude. It's it's, it's very fresh and live and gnarly. <laughs> Oh man, um, how would you like? What genre would you place this movie in? Because I, I do think that that's kind of interesting too. Because it's not just a romantic comedy and it's not just a drama, no. but um, it's got elements of all of those things. Yeah. And again, like I, I think that's that's also like to me that's further proof of kind of what Madonna brought at the box office. I think because yeah. it's not. Just so clearly, it's cut. a hard but sell. I, if you don't have Madonna, yeah. it's a hard sell because yeah, yeah, like well, yeah. Um, well, two movies kept popping in my mind while I was watching it. One movie is Johnny okay. Suede. I don't know if like I I, I got I got <laughs> yeah. this Johnny. I didn't Suede even think vibe. about that, but yeah. But but the other one is After Hours. Like yeah, there's there's definitely a kinship there. Um, and I feel like both of those movies, Johnny Suede and this one, uh, or, or and After Hours. Right. Uh, they, they they definitely mess around with tone. Like, did you catch the thing when they're in the magic club in Desperately Seeking Susan and you've got the cigarette girl walking around and she says, wait, where is it? You don't see her. She's just walking around. I think it's toward the end uh, when everyone goes uh-huh. to see the magic show and she's walking around. You just see the, the, the tray of cigarettes and she's like, cigarettes, premium, unleaded. <laughs> And it's just like little stuff like that. that. It's just like, yeah, like suddenly it's like airplane. And then like in the next scene, you know, the two guys are fighting over the girl and all that stuff. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, that was kind of interesting there at the end. Yeah, it goes it it really goes all over the place. Uh So. um, But yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I I, don't know. Say IMDb has comedy, comma, drama, and that in some ways is probably the best you could do uh, yeah. as far as just trying to to completely categorize it. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's... The, the, the magic... Yeah. 
No, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was, I, I was going to say, like, I don't know if I really feel at all like this is a drama. Like, I know it, it gets somewhat dramatic, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, there were moments between Quinn and uh, Arquette that, to me, kind of veered in that territory a little bit. But yeah, yeah I guess not. Not, it's not heavy drama, certainly. No. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, through the filter of r- romanticism. Yeah. Um, between these characters, but yeah, I don't know. The after hours thing is an interesting comparison, and and definitely we're gonna do that movie at some point in the 1985 podcast yeah. that we're doing. Uh, but also just because, yeah, Roseanne Arquette, man. I, I don't know. There's just something. Like so watchable about her and mm-hmm. and likable to me, I thought, and that's kind of interesting too because by I think technical definition, she's pretty passive in this, um, yeah. at least in a lot of, like in regards to her own relationship, I guess. Yeah. Um, because you know, obviously, the stuff that she gets into, even though yeah, she takes you know the initiative to do. <laughs> a to follow Madonna and buy her jacket and all that crap, and then you know put out the personal and try and meet her again. But you know after she gets amnesia, like all that's kind of <laughs> over with. You know she's a bit of a passenger, um, but still really interesting. I don't know. Um, yeah, it made me want to see much more of her. Yeah, in other movies. Totally. I I I definitely thought along similar lines. Um, well, let's talk about the rest of the cast then, and uh, you know, like who's the standout amongst the uh, the rest of them? Maybe Madonna aside. Well, we we, are, we already talked about Laurie Metcalf, but I really love her. She is like the best nag in the world. I mean, she's like one of the top class. She's great. Like, I mean, just her, great her timing nag. is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um. And and just yeah, she just I don't know. She handles all that stuff so well. Like her her and Will Patton, I feel like are. The biggest standouts to me. Yeah, there was a little moment in the Magic Club. <laughs> magic. There's literally like a Magic Club in this magic in this club. movie that they go to, and like this place that Madonna hangs out, and she knows the girl in the beginning who's working as a magician's assistant, and like it isn't. We're not talking like David Blaine here. <laughs> like these are like. Oh yeah, no. You know, the band is like a jazz band made up of guys who are nobody's clocking in under the age of 80. Right. And uh, the, I think the main magician himself is not very young. Um, but this is kind of where we end up here. And, you know, Roseanne Arquette is kind of filling that role, the magician's assistant. But uh, and everybody kind of descends upon the club when they kind of all figure it out. Madonna's there and, you know, uh, Laurie Metcalf and Roseanne Arquette's husband and Aiden Quinn. But there's a moment where I think think it was uh gary was rosanna's husband like he stands up when he notices roberta on is the assistant right Mm -hmm. and when he sits back down he bumps into will Patton, who's at the table beside him and like you don't realize that until he turns and it's just like they don't like hand feed you that reveal either there's no close-up or nothing it's just a split second that you see i was like wait was that will Patton? i was like oh shit yeah and uh Again, like, it's a great little moment. It feels like it should be in, like, a spy movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> but at least, like, if you're just looking at, at Will Patton. But, um, yeah, I thought he was good. 
I kind of liked Jim, the boyfriend of, well, I, in quotes, I guess, of of Madonna, um, the guy in the band. I thought he was kind of, yeah, you know, he was kind of fun and interesting. And I don't know that guy. Robert Joy is the actor. And yeah, no, he's, he's I, I recognize him, but I can't I mean, place him. Yeah, he's done some horror for sure. But uh, again, imagine just sort of like Aiden Quinn's eh, slightly less attractive cousin, and you'll get the picture. Right. <laughs> they look so much alike. They're so ridiculous. close together. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got two questions for you. Lay it on me. Yeah. Uh, question number one: Why a pyramid on the back of her jacket? Why do they sit down and they said the jacket she's going to wear is going to have this pyramid on it? Does that have any meaning to you at all? No, I swear I read something about the darn jacket Yeah. Uh, the, the other day, and I'll see if I can find it, but no, I don't know. I think it's just easily recognizable from a distance. Right. Well, I, I guess the and, thing that, that, that gets to me is, because I, I, I was thinking the same thing, exactly. It's like totally recognizable. I, I hadn't even seen the movie, and I've, I know that jacket. Yeah. But But then they have, like... The other part of the movie is these this pair of stolen Egyptian earrings. So it's like, why mm-hmm. why the Egyptian stuff? Like, is, and it just seems like there's Egyptian earrings and there's this pyramid. But that's a good point. Nothing else necessarily seems. I'm sad to say I didn't even make that connection. I, but uh, well, I honestly didn't even make it till just now. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, but yeah, I was trying to figure out that. But the other thing I was really curious about was who's the guy laying on the ground outside the Magic Club the entire movie. Gosh, I was trying I to figure yeah, out was, was weird, yeah right? was that a prop or was that a joke and I like I couldn't but it was just or is that just like this is Skid Row and there's always a guy I don't know if that's like an inside New Yorker thing yeah. um, I don't know that I have anything else to, to add to this one I, I don't have anything to add now I kind of see let's see what the next movie kind of brings out of this one let's do it all yeah. right let's talk about the legend. Billie Jean. I'm Billie Jean Davy, and I want to set the record straight. I remember when I was younger, and my wife actually made the same connection. When I was younger, I thought it had something to do with the the song Billie Jean because I'd never known anyone's name Billie Jean. You know, I, I, I and and then this movie came uh, out. You at, could like be years forgiven. after Michael Jackson did. Well, not that long. It's only like three years yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, you would be forgiven for thinking that they would at least make some, like somebody would make a joke about that in the movie itself, right? right. They don't. Well, I, you know, well, that's the thing. Like as as a kid and as a person who didn't know anything that was going on with the with this movie, my thoughts, a couple of my thoughts were, well, maybe this is a true story mm-hmm. and that song is based on the movie. And so like it's, it's it, really yeah, deep, it's just yeah. like, oh. But yeah, Michael clearly I put way too much thought in that. I think if you had been like really analyzing the box office that year, the fact that Legend of Billie Jean finished 129th and made only $3 million, you have to imagine that if they had just been able to make one small connection to the Michael Jackson song, that's like, yeah. Another two million at the box office, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the album's still probably going strong on the charts even three years later. I think it was a beast. Um yeah. but it is Although, not about that, Billy Jean. Go ahead. Yeah, what? If you did make a connection to it, 
that would be even more because because like Billie Jean is like the villain of that song. I feel like yeah. So yeah, so you kind of don't. So then, so then it just kind of becomes why did you name her Billie Jean at all? Like it wasn't it wasn't based on a true story or anything. No, it's a curious choice. It's a curious choice. It feels like it's calculated, although I don't know if that's uh, true or not. Maybe not. Maybe. Well, Craig. As you know, The Legend of Billie Jean, according to IMDb, is about a Texas teenager who cuts her hair short and becomes an outlaw murderer with her brother and friends. <laughs> That's the whole movie. Actually, the first act is just her cutting her hair. <laughs> it's astounding filmmaking. You, you know what we don't actually see her do in this movie? Is cut her hair. Um, That's but true. no, we, t- we talked a little bit of that, about that in the tee-up. You know, it, it definitely features, like, it. you know, it's prominent. The yeah. poster has her... With that short haircut as opposed to the long hair that she does have for a good chunk of this movie. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it becomes a very big iconic statement to make as a Texas teenager if you are a fan of the Billie Jean myth, uh, according to this movie. And we'll get into that in a second. But uh, you basically, Craig, this movie is so 1985. Actually, the whole plot just hinges around a scooter. Oh, yeah. That's how in 1985. Isn't that great? It is great. Uh, It's It's really about a brother and sister, yeah, in a very small town of, uh, well, I guess Corpus Christi is, I don't know how big of a town. It's big enough to have a mall and a pretty badass mall at that. Um, You got brother and sister, Helen Slater, Billie Jean herself, uh, and Christian Slater, who goes by the name Binks because. Binks. Binks. Never and, knew anybody named Binks in my life, especially with an X at the end of the name. I have yeah, no idea man. where Binks comes from. I wish I did. I wish I did. Yeah. Uh, they live in a trailer park, and they are not the most wealthy, most popular kids in this town. And yeah. Binks definitely is getting picked on by some bullies, and we'll get into the very specifics of that because there's some amazing stuff in it. But mm-hmm. the bullies steal the scooter. They damage the scooter. Billie Jean goes to get the bully to pay for the repairs to the scooter because it's like that's Christian Slater's life, the scooter. She says that. Also, when he goes to get them himself, he gets beat up really badly. But the bully, he is not going to pay for this. And the bully's dad, played by, who was that guy? Richard Bradford. Um, Yeah. You can see where the apple didn't fall too far from the tree with him. Because he's, mm-hmm. he's a bigger slime ball than his young son, Hubie. And uh, Hubie. <laughs> he not only refuses to pay Billie Jean, but tries to take advantage of her. And Christian Slater ends up accidentally shooting Hubie's father. Now, you might think he shoots and kills Hubie's father. No, no. He shoots him kind of in the shoulder area, and, and Hubie's father has to wear a sling. But... That is enough to send Billie Jean, her brother, and two of her friends on the lamb, sort of. Like, they're on the lamb within, like, a 10-mile radius of this town because they don't have any gas money. (laughs) And uh, they're kids, and they don't know a lot better. But, boy, does this create a sensation. Ripples across all of Texas. And that is the movie in a nutshell, but we've got a lot of specifics to get into. But first... Craig, what'd you think of this movie? I know you said you've been, uh, it's one you've been wanting to see for quite a, quite a while, or at least was on your radar and of interest to you. Uh, how did it live up to those lofty expectations? I thought this was 
a, a masterpiece. I <laughs> really wow. And I, I and I'm still trying to parse through it and figure out exactly why. But yeah, I would like all to know. I can yes. Say is nothing. Nothing in the movie let me down. Okay. Good. Um. I feel like everything I wanted from this movie came to me, and then there were things that I never even dreamed of being possible mm-hmm. in this movie mm-hmm. that happened and i was i was desperately pleased i think it's a good looking movie yeah i think everybody agreed. does a good job i think it's cheesy when it needs to be cheesy and and then there you could just get the, it's peppered with these little surprises that are amazing so i was a big fan how did you feel wow that's an enthusiastic i'm not going to use the the word masterpiece per se okay. It, but it I'm is gonna, a masterpiece. You well, can say you it know, if you want to. I, okay. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I think uh, Helen Slater, oh, man, great. Really good performance. I liked her a lot. Uh, and I'm with you. Like, the stuff where, where it's cheesy where it needs to be, I think that's a great way of putting it. But it, it works because it, it because she delivers it, I think. At least that's that's if I were thinking of the same thing in regards to cheesy. Um, but... Herb, Christian Slater, all these guys I kind of liked and enjoyed. To me, uh, Craig, I, I don't know. I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't fathom that the, the events that happened would create the reaction amongst the public that is created. Uh, and Granted. <laughs> that, to me, is, is a hurdle that is difficult for me to, to jump over. Uh, even with my good jumping shoes. Now my you have a Texas pretty good boots. vertical. There's no doubt about that, Sean. But I, I will say this, because uh, I was thinking about the same. I, I'm thinking about the same thing, and I, and I think there isn't there isn't anything that you missed that would make up for that. Like I don't think I think you're you're basically right on, right? Because I mean, kind of what happens is like they go on the run. They're not really heroes yet. But then by the time they have the the mall showdown, like the mall showdown happens and people see it and word of mouth starts getting around and it's like these kids are, you know, showing these bullies or something. Like, yeah, it's 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 I, weird no, that she becomes a folk hero. Yes. I love the thematic of it. Kids standing up to adults. Fair is yep. fair, which I I don't remember if we talked about it in the last episode. That's what this movie was going to be called. And right. I kind of feel like it maybe should have been, although I love the title Legend of Billie Jean, it's ridiculous, yeah. um, because that element worked to me. Like that is your through line and your motivator for, for what Helen Slater and those kids are doing. Totally right. buy. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Every other kid in the state that I did. I just, that to me was, yeah, because it happened so quick. And I think you, you, you know, using the word missed, I didn't miss anything. Uh, you're yeah. right. I I didn't miss anything that's on the screen. I don't think, but to me, I felt like if there had been a little like four page, seven minute scene or not scene but sequence between the shooting and the fandom, right? I would I totally would have been right there on board with this movie and saying, oh man, how did this movie slip through the cracks in 1985? What is it doing at the bottom of the box office? But I think, yeah, that was just, it was hard for me to completely get in line for the Billie Jean Frisbee. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, 
I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I kind of go both ways on that one a little bit because I, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, these these were pre-internet times for for sure. a lot of our millennial sure. listeners. There was a time before computers were completely, you know, had completely taken over our lives. I don't think there's a single computer in this movie. Is there? I, I don't, don't think there one. is a computer in the movie. Nope. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, I feel like. You know, it's it's a local story that's kind of like, oh man, those kids shot that guy, and then when they kind of figure out what you know what's going on, they you know they're they're like, oh, did you hear what th- happened here? And then they try to double cross her at the mall, which I mean, man, you don't double cross a teenager at the mall. I mean, yeah, it's over for that. you. Yeah, um, and then by the time she does the video, it's like everybody's like, yeah, she's standing because I. It's kind of like you kind of have that feeling of like. Um, you kind of that feeling of like uh um invincibility well well yeah well yeah like you, you you're <laughs> gonna say get that behind something well yeah yeah because you want to be invincible yes um and you like you like i've had that song tunes. stuck in my head for like oh man days now, yeah. it, it is i and i didn't even realize what that what that song was going to be and then as soon as i started I know, hearing right? it i was like oh yeah but uh uh but but like you know as a kid like you don't you don't need a lot to get your engine going behind somebody sure. like you know it's enough and especially especially when there wasn't the internet where you couldn't learn every single thing about that person mm-hmm. it's like you're getting like that much of it you're like you're a hero and then she starts doing stuff like she rescues that abused kid and that stuff and it's just yeah. like i mean Love and, and it's ridiculous it's ridiculous it but awesome. at the same time it's like it's so awesome um well uh, so yeah well, yeah i certainly still enjoyed the movie quite a bit yeah. Even despite that. And look, I, I think, you know, to me, I was even asking the question, well, why, why is it Billie Jean? Christian Slater, Binks is the one that shot the guy. Like, why right. is she even the focal point of the frenzied mania that happens right. following this? But, I mean, you're right. You either You either go along with that or you don't. It bothers mm-hmm. you and stays with you and you just enjoy the rest of the ride, which is kind of what I did. Or maybe you get wrapped up in it a little bit more like like you did, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, extremely kind of competently movie, competently made movie. In some ways, I think having this, you know, and especially watching it in such close proximity to Desperately Seeking Susan, like the fact that it's set in Texas, mm-hmm. like to me, this movie did not feel as dated as mm-hmm. as Desperately Seeking Susan. Even though, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you look at this poster and you're like, okay, she's wearing a wetsuit right. with the sleeves ripped off and weird, like, homemade gloves and yeah. everything about it screams 85. And, like, the fact oh, that, yeah. yeah, like, that Pat Benadar song, I think, plays, like, at least four times in this movie. But and, you've also got, like, men on the street interviews that looks like like people they really just pulled out of a mall. And yeah. Man, Oh it man, you've never yes. been more eighties in your life. Like, yeah, like they look they look eighty three, they're so eighties. Like they're two yeah, years but behind when this movie was. But there's also I mean, uh, the story itself though, I think it, it kinda has like seventies vibes to it. Like I to me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just thinking of like Badlands and even like, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, which I think was sixty eight or sixty nine, but yeah. you know, I mean there's definitely I would say at least some inspiration from those two movies in right. this thing, a little bit here and there. Um and so I, I don't know, like at the end of the day, 
it's ridiculous to say that a movie that the plot really does hinge around the scooter is somehow less dated <laughs> than just yeah. a good like a character story like desperately seeking susan and yet it did it just it felt different it looked different um i, I don't quite know what it is but it's it's all of those elements i think yeah um well geez like there's so much i think i want to talk about um yeah. Let's just talk about how they get into this movie then, because there's some, you know, like you said, like just little surprises here and there. I mean, to me, the uh, a like I just you know I wrote down it's like I, I you have to kind of like love a movie that like not only opens on the scooter but like it reveals it as if it's like this object of yeah. desire. Like you know, I mean, there's like multiple close-ups until you see the full thing, and then it comes out. And she and and her brother are riding on this thing, if memory serves, and they're just immediately besieged upon by this like convertible full of of assholes, basically. Um, you know, I can only assume since we've stated that seniors rule, they're probably seniors in high school. These guys, right? Definitely seniors. I can't see. I certainly can't see sophomores pulling off this kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think sophomores are pulling it off. You know, they've had no. their license for a little while. I mean, they're just, like, awful. I mean, they're making cat calls, extremely oh, rude. Yeah. They're basically running them off the road. But then, somebody's nice little surprises, there's a guy in the back that's just straight up blasting off photos of everything that's happening with his camera. <laughs> and oh, yeah. to me, like, that made yeah. me laugh. I was like, what yeah. is that? That dude's like... That- is that like legal? Can you just like, <laughs> it's basically like stalking again a little bit, but uh, it made me laugh and it made me appreciate just like that little detail there. Um, well, I like, I like the fact that, yeah, in the, in the gang of bullies, mm-hmm. I mean, in the entire history of the world, <laughs> wow, has there ever been a gang of bullies and one of them is a shutterbug? Like I can't think of one. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it. It usually seems like like in usually at least in the eighties in the eighties in movies in the eighties if you had a camera around your neck, you were Nerd. one of the nerds. You yeah, were you're not on the yearbook staff. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Because like um, think about it too. It's like at the rate he's going, like he's gonna have to stop, take film out, put it in. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to wind it up, and get it loaded, and everything. Oh man, <laughs> set the ISO. I mean, there's like you That's know, the there's thing. steps. I, I love to think that, like yeah. he is, yeah, like, he is really into it. Like he's oh, got a he's dark room. It's mode, really yeah. one of the touches that makes this movie, mm-hmm. as I said before, a masterpiece. I do think, yeah, there might be a spinoff sequel. That's the legend of that guy, whatever his name is. Oh man, uh, Shutterbug, yeah. the legend of Shutterbug. But. uh the uh, brother and sister, they go to um, what is basically your local Sonic or, um, and I, I don't guess Dairy Queen had the, uh, are those waitresses? Not where that I was from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you go and you, you pull up, you order uh, at the little speaker box and you get your milkshake and your burger and your fries and Helen goes inside actually and comes out with a strawberry milkshake. And meanwhile, the bullies have pulled into the parking lot and are harassing Christian Slater about his quote-unquote fagmobile um, because, again, it's 1985. They're dropping oh, yeah. that word like it's nothing. Um, and then this was a nice little spin on weird science here because it's Christian Slater who ends up tossing the milkshake in Hubie, the main bully, his face, who mm-hmm. I, I probably should just mention, like, he's completely shirtless and just wearing shorts and, like, aviator shades like he's 
you as know, you do, like in Top Gun or something, right? Um, but yeah, I thought that was nice. I was like, oh man, uh, Christian Slater. I kind of because you know you yeah. sort of expect in these movies like, okay, these two are the losers. Um, they're gonna take it, you know. Yeah. The stuff's gonna happen to them in the right. opening, and then later on they sort of get their their yeah. their Fight moment. back. Yeah. Uh, no, he he throws the, the uh, thing right on them, and they take off on the scooter. Mm-hmm. And go swimming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's another day in Corpus Christi. Yeah. yeah um, so there's a couple things that happened in that swimming hole scene that I that I just found of note. Uh, mm-hmm. A, I think like the first, that's not the first thing you hear her say, but, you know, one of the like strings of dialogue that she gets in there is like, well, I can handle alligators. And so, okay. Um, I don't think Helen Slater is from Texas. No. Uh, the accents are a bit here and there for everybody, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. But um, she's in her panties and a very short midriff. Yeah. And if I remember correctly from the article about the DVD commentary, I think there is some regret about having uh, had to wear that on her, on her part, looking back for sure. Is this Going a little awkward? With your brother? It's it a little awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, she does the joke of staying underwater for a long time to scare her brother. But man, she's she's underwater for <laughs> like a she long is. time. I mean, that's she's committed to that one. She yeah. ought to consider like Olympic swimming. I mean, I do think she's got a talent there. Um, but then the bullies show up there. And Shutterbug is just definitely firing off photos of her out there in the water and coming yeah. out of the water. And uh, a couple of other things. I do believe, was it Slater that called Hubie the main bully fart face? Or it said something about him being a fart face. Oh, uh, fart face. That's great. Yeah, which I, I enjoyed that. That's always a nice mm-hmm. little insult there. Masterpiece. Um, yeah. But then there, there's this running thread, and this is before the bullies show up, where... Christian Slater is asking Helen Slater about Vermont. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, he's just obsessed with going to a place where there's cold weather and snowballs and all <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I didn't quite, like, I don't quite know the backstory there. Do you? I mean, no. I, no, clearly I didn't she know spent what... some time there, right? Oh, I, I honestly never just... even got that much out of it. Okay. Like, I, I thought just... it was... I thought it was the place he wanted to go. He had a poster of a half well, naked girl does. in Vermont. Yeah. yeah, he really wants to go to Vermont, and I was like, okay, he wanted to go to Vermont, and I was hoping at some point there'd be a conversation about that. Like, yeah, what's the deal but with he Vermont? Does, he does ask her to tell him about Vermont because she's like, again, all right. Oh, I guess so. You know, right? Anyway, yeah, I guess I just took that as like, I don't know. She read up on Vermont. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> And also, uh, okay, actually, before we get any further than this, though, yeah, how old are these two? Um, I was gonna, I was gonna put her as a, a junior, him as a freshman. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you know that'll come into play a little bit later with Hubie's dead, just like the the creepy yeah. factor there. But I, I definitely was like, this girl's under eighteen. Okay. Sure. For sure. Um. So Hubie and the bullies show up again. This time they take the scooter. And uh, boy, that's your inciting incident in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a nice scooter. Like he got, I think, some money from an inheritance. I believe their father passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And 
He bought, I think it's like a Honda Elite or something like that. You know, it's not just a Yamaha, which they laugh at later. It's a nice looking scooter. It's a nice looking scooter. And uh, when we go back to the trailer park and we meet the mom who's getting ready to go out on a date, you know, you really get like he is really stewing about the fact that that scooter got taken. And, uh, you know, anytime there's a trailer park in a movie, I, I get a little apprehensive just about, okay, like what on earth are they going to do to make this different or, or you yeah. know, like what's this, what's this going to look like? Um, as we saw on Friday the 13th, some trailer parks have signs that just say trailer park. Trailer park. Trailer park, trailer uh, park. This one does not. I don't remember what it was called, but it does not. Um, and no. I, I felt like they were pretty cool with how they handled this. Um, yeah. There was nothing about it that was just like, ooh, look at this. They're in a trailer, you know. Um, well, I liked, yeah, it, it, to me, it felt like a neighborhood. Yeah. Like, they, they totally. kind of move around in it, and there are people kind of doing their things in different parts of the trailer park. And, like, yeah, I, I liked that world. I thought that was great. I like the mom, too. You know, she's not in this a ton. And uh, I believe this is Mona Lee Foltz is the actress's name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this scene, you know, you're kind of just, you know, it's basically an establishment of the family life scene. And she's getting ready for a date, and, you know. Uh, Billie Jean asked her what time she's coming home, and she says, late, I hope. And I was just like, you know, it's good delivery. They don't make a big deal out of it. Um, it doesn't turn into an argument. It was just like, oh, I like this mom. Like, she's honest, and yeah. like, she's going out to, you know, enjoy herself and have a date. And, you know, maybe this guy will be something. Maybe he won't. doesn't really matter, and it doesn't really come back into play if memory serves. The, the kids are nice about it. Yeah. And like that's a nice no, there difference. doesn't seem to be any animosity there, which is nice. Yeah, it's not. They're not angsty. I mean, yeah. there's enough angst going around just between Binks and Scooter, <laughs> you know, for yeah. Hubie. Um, but it's also not long after this that we meet the two friends uh, who are Putter and Ophelia, Yardley Smith and Martha Gammon. Amazing. And uh, yeah. I think our introduction to them is, of course when they themselves are watching TV because yes. and that happened in in uh in Desperately Seeking Susan as well. I think we had characters mm-hmm. watching TV in that one. That's just Oh yeah. If we catalog all of these movies that we're doing that that feature that, I think it'll be easier to just count the ones that don't. Um Oh yeah. But uh man, yeah, we mentioned before, yeah, Yearly Smith was playing a 14-year-old in this movie, and she plays Lisa Simpson, so I can only imagine that you know what her voice sounds like. But, man, like, the first time she opens her mouth in this thing with, like, her 20-year-old voice and her southern accent, like, it's out of control. Like, she, I was like, she's, I wrote down, she sounds like a parrot, like, you know. <laughs> it's like a parrot doing a Texas accent. And it was kind of great, you know. And she's like, can I come? Yeah. I love police stations. And <laughs> I was dying. Oh, man, like, yeah. I just, it's so it's like such a specifically intense thing and she's so baby faced in this. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I don't know. Like I didn't realize just like, I guess how big of a part they were going to be in this movie per se. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they they've got pretty big roles here. They do. And and I, I, I was thinking about that thing you said about, she she thought she was going to like blow up after this yeah. movie. And like watching the movie like I could see why she would feel that way. In I could some ways I understand why she might feel that way. She feels a bit like the Drew Barrymore of ET in this. 
bit. Like a, the 14 year old version of that. Like she's mm-hmm. cussing and like she's holding her own and she just wants to kind of be a part of what they're doing, yeah. you know? And so yeah. she's really comic relief, but it's, it's certainly sweet faced and, and delivered as such. But, um, I think it's also around this time that, yeah, Helen does go to, oh, it's later, sorry. I'm going to miss it. Billie Jean goes to the police actually to report the scooter, which, you know, I thought of that too. Like, the me, you know, the second that Hubie drives off of this thing, I was like, well, he just, he just straight up stole a scooter. They can go call the yeah. cops, right? Um, but so Billie Jean goes there, and that's Peter Coyote is the guy that plays, um, I don't know, is he a sheriff or a detective? He's, what is he? I believe he's a detective. Detective Ringwald, I think is his name. Makes kind of sense. interesting. Yeah. And um, that's our introduction to that guy. And I don't know. I mean, I guess he is sort of your sympathetic adult in this thing in a lot of ways. Well, he's, he's yeah, he's kind of the same character he played in E.T. in a way. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah. More E.T. connections. And as we mentioned, Matthew Robbins, the director... Is a pal of Spielberg, so hey, yeah. maybe there's some crossover there. Um, but you know, it that's basically all just a device to get um, Billie Jean and Binks apart from one another, so that Binks can go try to get the scooter back, which he does, but it's beaten up, and he is, dude, he is beaten to hell. Like when he like reveals oh, yeah. his face, I was like, holy. Yeah, like he, he might yeah. need to go to the hospital, buddy, and get some stitches. Um, and so that that definitely sets things in motion. Then I mean, Billie Jean's not going to let that stand. And so next thing you know, we are at Hubie's father, which is Pyatt. That's kind of what he goes by. Which I guess is just mm-hmm. a last name, Mister Pyatt. Um, how, how would you describe that shop that he owns? I mean, I guess that's just your basic beach tourist. It's like a- Beach, yeah, souvenir shop. Souvenir shop, yeah. Just, just curiosities, just, just tons of stuff. Trinkets and seashells. Yeah. Lighthouses. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Billie Jean marches in there because Hubie's working in there, and uh, she knees him in the nuts for the second time in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, after she did that at the little diner, I think, or no? Yeah. That's I think right. She yeah, did. yeah, she did. And. Um, uh, the dad comes in, and this is when the movie goes to Creepy Town. Oh, yeah. He kind of reminds me of, like, Stacy Keach. That's who I was wondering, yeah. this, this actor, Richard Bradford. I don't really know him. I think he's in the trip he to Bountiful, real... actually. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, yeah he I seemed think... really um, familiar for some reason. Yeah. But, yeah. And so, like, he is like, oh, my son, it sounds like something he would do. Uh, I don't have this kind of money in the cash register. Come upstairs and I'll, I'll you know, get you settled here, sorted. And, you know, I, I think it's before they even get upstairs that he's commenting on how, and I maybe that happened upstairs. It doesn't matter. But, like, you know, that he knows her mom and that she's attractive, the mm-hmm. mom, and that clearly some of that rubbed off on Billie Jean. And you can see where this is going. I mean, he's definitely trying to put the moves on her and, you know, is basically proposing that he will give her 50 bucks and she will give something to him. And then every time she comes back, the same thing will happen until he's paid off the scooter or not paid off the scooter or as it were. And, uh, yeah, boy, it's, it's a real shocker that she does not want anything to do with it. 
it. Yeah. Uh, and she does not, and rightfully so, because, yeah, it is. he's a creepy dude. And um, I don't know. Like, that's – it's – boy, it's, it's an interesting element for a, a PG-13 movie, don't you think? I do, and it's one of the reasons I think – that it's a masterpiece, and here's why. <laughs> okay. Because I just feel like, well, well, a little bit of it is is the moment we're all in right now. Yeah, for sure. It's hard which, not to watch this without uh, all this going yeah. on in Hollywood and the accusations flying every day. Yeah, it's like I, I mean, it, and it's all it's all just I don't know. It's all just right there. It's like yeah, this guy. This is not the first time he's ever done this. Nope. She's underage. He feels completely comfortable making this proposal, knowing yep. nothing bad is possibly going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit of it is specifically, a little bit of the reason I think it's a masterpiece is because of the moment we're in. Yeah. Just because it's nice to watch this movie. It's like she will absolutely not stand for it. It's yeah. super scary because he's got completely got the upper hand. Like there's, yeah, like you, you can, you totally understand that there is no good outcome from this moment now. Like even before she comes downstairs and anybody gets shot, like right. no one's going to believe her over him. And now, you know, and she's had to go through this experience at all. So anyway, um, but well, yeah, I was it, it, say it's, uh, yeah. would you have thought that this movie would have had more of a feminist bent to it than desperately seeking Susan at the start of watching these two. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it, but, it but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like this one. Yeah, exactly. This one has sort of the hundred percent pure, uh, feminist view. Yeah. Feminist track, like the feminist story. Um, and it, I mean, it, it really continues through the whole thing. Like you can mm-hmm. tell, yeah, like there, there are the men, the men characters who would never, who, who just, yeah, who, uh, well, what was it? What was I thinking? I, I guess it all hit me whenever uh, Lloyd, whenever they meet Lloyd, which we can get into in a little bit. Yeah, where he he proposes that he will be a hostage, right, for them, and it's like, yeah, like he's not going to take control. He's going to literally just give himself to them. Yeah, to help them. And that kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. It just seemed like, yeah, if you, if this thing has feminism coming out of its asshole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll walk that back. But it's, Please. it's, um, but it really, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, <laughs> very interesting <laughs> to see. Um, but yeah, I, I agreed. And like, that's all kind of set in motion in that scene. And then, you know, they do come downstairs because, uh, she's trying to get away, but also, you know, Binks and Ophelia and Yardley Smith, um, Putter, mm-hmm. they all get concerned and then go inside and just so happens that there is a gun in the cash register drawer, which I buy that, you know. Yeah. You're a shop owner. I buy it. Texas um, 1985? Yeah. You know, it's a little, I don't know, you know, maybe Christian Slater, yeah, he's a 15-year-old boy. It's like, oh, my God, look at this thing, man. Look what I found. And it's like, you know, com- completely waving it around. I, I do think he, like, looked in the barrel at one point. But it, it's, yeah. it's certainly new to him. And uh, Pyatt comes down, you know, Billy Jean's like, we didn't get the money. we got to get out of here, uh, you know. And Binks points the gun again. He's like, give me the money. Um, don't do anything. Don't take a step forward. 
Pyatt is saying the gun's not even loaded, and it goes off. And I liked how they did that. It felt like like a believable misfire in some ways, you know. Yeah. And then partly it's just because of how, yeah, Christian Slater, like, clearly, like, he's, there's not a moment where you, you're, he's, like, pretending that he knows how to use a gun, really. Um, right. But also, I, it just felt like the way that the gun was positioned, even, like, it, it just made sense, and the way they shot and edited and all that stuff. Uh, I totally thought he got shot in the chest, though, man. Like, I thought, oh, Jesus, oh. like, they, I thought he killed that guy at first. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that you never had that thought? I didn't. Um, I, I, I didn't. And I, and I didn't know how it was going to go. Like, I didn't know that they just yeah. injure him at all. But no, for whatever reason, it always looked like they, they hit him in the shoulder. Okay. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's so, still not good. Like, you can hit somebody in the shoulder and it could still be I, yeah. a major problem. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, that that's kind of, um, I mean, that's the thing. That's what puts them on the path that they are on. And from there forward, it's sort of, you know, a case where they realize that, it, yeah, it will definitely be Pyatt's word versus theirs. And mm-hmm. uh, they, yeah, are the kids from the trailer park. And they're not going to have much leg to stand on in that matter. No. And, again, I like that, you know. And it's a good, like, engine to get these kids out there i like that ophelia who's sort of i don't remember how she's related to putter or if she is at all but clearly they spend a lot of time together um but so she's got the station wagon she's dry i mean she drives like a maniac like i definitely like thought of johnny cash and murder in coweta county (laughs) (laughs) every time she's out there it's just like hang on for dear life which i thought was kind of funny and you know she doesn't, they don't have money for gas, really. Like, I mean, to me, like, all that yeah. stuff is kind of, it is kind of more interesting than them. Because I, I did wonder, I was like, well, wouldn't they just get the hell out of this town, you know, or out of this state? Like, just go west as far as you can go or wherever, go to Vermont. And they yeah, don't, but they don't, they don't have the curious thing that they kind of yeah. stick around. But they don't have the well, means to do so, I think, you know. They don't have the means, but and then I like again... That. They're well, a part of it is that they find out that he's not dead, yeah, so they know they're in trouble, but it's not like they're running from a murder. But but it's also she wants this money, like that's mm-hmm. what it's all about, yeah. It becomes she that. wants to make sure she gets the money, yeah. And it would have been it would have been a totally different movie, I think it would have to be if he had died, yeah, you know, because you don't, you don't get fair as fair then, right? You know? And that that's to me. And I like actually the movie because because I did wonder if that guy had died or because I thought he got shot in the chest. Yeah. There's a moment where like Binks is kind of like joking around in the car about or he's just like talking about food. And uh, Billie Jean is like, stop talking about your damn stomach. Like, what about Pyatt? Like, what if he's dead? And I was like, oh, that's yeah. great. Like, that's all you need. Like, yeah. we just need to acknowledge that she at least is thinking about it so that we're not like. Uh, you know, these teenagers are just kind of dumb, you know? Yeah, don't care about anything. Right. Um yeah. And, you know, I think them finding out that he didn't die then definitely sets up the fair is fair idea, and it leads us to get this great mall scene, right? Yeah. You can't have that mall scene oh, man. if he's dead. And so no. I don't even remember how that was arranged. I think she called... uh 
Peter Coyote. And basically they made some sort of like deal that, you know, if Pyatt would show up and give her the money, they would turn themselves in. Yeah. Now, were they actually planning to do that? Or was that, do you think they were literally going to turn themselves in all of them? Uh, I, I think so. Okay. Cause I wasn't sure. It was like, it was Billie Jean. Is she just going to do it? And then Binks, you know, see, I, I know. feel like, yeah, like I, I always felt like, like that was always the, the end game. Like that was always the safest route. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Was like, at some point you got to turn yourself in, but once you turn yourself in, there's no way you're getting that money. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, uh, a the mall like it looks amazing like there's like a oh, weird like waterfall feature and there's always plants and stuff everywhere like it is a hat so, mall it's so wonderfully 80s and, and yeah apparently yeah. they never changed it like it's a dead mall now but like they never like updated it yeah and maybe we can throw up that link you sent me with oh, the yeah. video from inside the mall now which is kind of scary but kind of cool oh, yeah um now i i did have one little little thing that bothered me a little bit about this mall scene. And mm-hmm. it's, it's more just in the plotting of it. Um, so they show up, they're like messing around, like going through the toy store, being still is a fake gun, toy gun. Uh, Billie Jean goes down the escalator. She's got a hat on and uh, Pyatt's at the bottom waiting for her. He's got the envelope of money, which has come from Peter Coyote from the detective. It's, it's his own money. Which, you know, Pyatt kind of makes fun of him about or just, you know, says that he wouldn't do it himself. Um, But before she even gets to the bottom, if I'm not mistaken, Pyatt gives his son Hubie the signal to go and, like, sneak attack her on the escalator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was an odd decision for a man to make because what's the end game there? Because he is working with the cops. So there are multiple yeah. cops on the scene. <laughs> like right. what exactly did Pyatt think? Like they're, they're just going to, everybody's going to be okay with his son beating the shit out of Billie Jean in a mall. Yeah. I didn't understand that either. That was like a it weird plan. It couldn't be just to grab her. No. Like. Cause she's going to turn yeah. herself in. You're like, what? And like Hubie came after her, like he was intent on hurting yeah. her, you know. But he got he got another knee in the balls yeah, for, for his trouble. Again. Yep. Oh, um, that poor guy. And that is uh, the moment where they escape, and yeah, you've got all these witnesses, and you have those great like on camera interviews for the news oh, later, God, where so sort great. of the actual legend of Billie Jean is born. But correct me if I'm wrong. They run into the kids that recognize her at the gas station. That was prior to that, right? Where the girl's like, you know, you're in the paper and they pay for. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But so, yeah, like it's been a day at least since the shooting. Her face is in the paper and you're already getting a little bit of the kids seeing like, oh, this is a person of interest to us, you know. And they sort of realize like how, yeah, how, how recognizable they are and all that stuff. Yeah. And I kind of wonder too, like if my issue with the sort of quickness with which all these people suddenly take Billie Jean's side, if 
just seeing that whatever the news report was of the story, because you have to imagine it came from Pyatt. It's his side of events, whatever was reported, right? Right. So it's not going to include the fact that he was making moves on her. No. Because I felt like if there was some way that other kids knew that, then yeah, I for sure you take Billie Jean's side. Right. You know, but um, anyway, again, it's just one of those things. I'm, I guess I'm going to have to get over since this is a masterpiece. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, like after the mall, like forget about it. Yeah, the kids are like, oh, man, Billie Jean's awesome. She need the guy right in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. I love God. that dude. Um, that dude and the guy interviewing, like when I was watching that, I yeah. was just, uh, all I could think was Sean's going to love at least this part. There's oh, no way he's I, all of it. Yeah. And not loving this. All of those things. I love the scenes, too. I mean, yeah, it's it's really oh, like it's it's not even that as much as it was just a little bit later, because, you know, I think the other big piece of this movie then kind of happens shortly after that when these when this these group of kids kind of uh I guess they just break into somebody's house. Yep. Uh, looks like nobody's home. So yeah, they're driving in. through a nice neighborhood. It looks like nobody's home. They go in the house, and uh, they're making themselves at home in the kitchen, and Helen Slater, I think, goes to just walk around and check out the rest of the house, and we see a person dressed as a werewolf in the background. <laughs> so great. So good. Uh, like were you what? Yeah. expecting any of that? I mean, did you? you no, no, knowledge? no. Okay. Again, that's what because it's because because yeah because you have them in the house and they're doing that and like I kind of had this feeling like eh, this isn't this isn't really something that would be happening. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I don't see Billy Jean like it's okay to go in someone's house and just eat all their food. It's fine. <laughs> um, it seems a little weird in 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 terms of her ideology. But then you cut to a closed circuit camera, a uh, TV of a closed circuit camera watching all of them. And then you see this hairy hand like go across the front of it. And you're just like, wait, was that hairy? Like what, 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 what did I just see? Yeah. And then, and then, and then yeah, Helen Slater's walking down a hall and you see like this hairy thing, like behind her. I mean, no, I had, I didn't, it was, it was great. What a great choice. What an odd, totally completely odd, odd choice. But it turns out, that they're in the house of Keith Gordon, known as Lloyd, who is uh, the, the the son of what? Well, do they know he's the son of the district attorney at that point? I don't know. I don't think but they clearly, did. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly they have money. He clearly loves movies. So he's got lots of masks and cameras and TVs around. Did he have uh, a a car bed in his room? Did I? A car why? bed that you sort of sleep in the trunk, it looks like. Yeah. It looked very uncomfortable. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would say that. Um, but it beats the hell out of uh, what's-his-name's bed from Nightmare 2. Leather duvet, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it was a really great, great choice. And I, I like it for a lot of reasons. I mean, not just because it's kind of fun and yeah. unexpected, but it's also like, you know what? they they did come to the right place because this guy is just as much of a misfit as they are, if not more so, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. he he's not the kind of guy that probably has, like, a record or anything. He's not going to juvie, I don't think. He's just kind right. of a weirdo. Like, you know, Lloyd is definitely uh, not a guy that you would think of fitting in in Texas football country, you know, 
Friday Night yeah. Lights kind of world, um, or the, that trailer park, or any of these guys. So, yeah, it's it's a nice because I wondered about that. I was like even thinking before he shows up, I was like, how is my knowledge of that guy from you know back to school? I was like, how is that guy going to fit into this? <laughs> it was like he going to yeah. be doing a Texas accent or what? Like you know, and he's not. <laughs> You know, he's clearly from a different class. And, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, shortly after, you know, they meet him and they're talking to him, he says something. I can't remember what it was. And then jumps out the window. And then you hear a splash and hear him laughing. And, of course, of course, he's got a water slide that goes from his window to the swimming pool. Which yeah. I mean, that's that's some silver spoon shit right there. Like that's Just awesome. All the rich kids had that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was great, and uh, you know they end up swimming a little bit, and then uh, we failed to mention there's another big big moment actually in this movie of characters watching something on TV where they're watching Joan of Arc, and yeah, w- if you had asked me at the beginning of this movie if Joan of Arc A was going to be mentioned and B was was literally going to be used as the inspiration for her to cut her hair. Uh, I would have said, uh, no, no, there's no chance in hell, Craig, that that's, any of that's going yeah. to happen. That is, that's amazing. And, and it works. I, I can't, like, I totally works. I can't and, believe and then, that it works, like, but it does. Like, yeah. yeah. No, it does. And, and it, and it kind of made me start thinking like, like to, to, to watch a movie like that and then say, yes. That's what I am. I'm a martyr. Like, I don't think martyrs, real martyrs, think of themselves as martyrs. I, I wondered that, too. In fact, I thought that maybe they could have reversed the order just a little bit. And because they were like, we're going to make a video. I'm going to tell it like it is, right? Yeah. And so I thought, wait she's cutting her hair before the video. Like I, it would have made sense to me to just make the video with your long hair. Then you cut your hair just so that you have a different look. You know, yeah. you give this video to the police. So they're looking for the Billie Jean with long hair. And meanwhile, you're on the lamb and you've got a completely different look basically. Right. Um, so the fact that that's not how it happened and the fact that she cut her hair intentionally, like for this video and then says what she does in the video yeah, I mean, she has to be a little self-aware, I think. You know, it's hard to, to think that she wouldn't. But I yeah. I thought they they still kind of handled that well. Like, there's never yeah. a moment where it felt like, you know, it's not like Teen Wolf where suddenly, like, I'm in love with being popular, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or yeah. being, you know, it's none of that. Um, to me, it, it felt... It felt like genuine and naive enough that it it wasn't like annoying that she did that, in my opinion. Well, and I guess I guess to think about it, like it's and it's I don't feel like it's uh, explicit in the movie, but here is a way to increase my tiny amount of power that I have right now. Yeah, like I have the ear of these kids. You know, here's this model of someone who, you know, it now is like thought of as as sort of an icon of whatever resistance or you yeah. know like really yeah sticking with something all the way to the end um to the point of being burned at the stake so yeah so th- you know yeah really it's maybe it's just more like i'm gonna increase my power i'm gonna increase this persona that people are latching on to you know it'll help us get through this 
Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like it actually, I mean, it did kind of just work for me as not really this premeditated thing even. It was just like, oh, well, I watched this movie. I got inspired. And then I did this and I said this and it came out in the moment. Sure. Um, at least like definitely that speech, you know. Um, yeah. And she was. She was just telling the truth. I mean, we knew it as an audience that what she was saying was the truth. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think it works just like on that like basic level. Throughout this movie, up to this point, Sean, I've been writing every now and again, masterpiece question mark. <laughs> okay. And when we cut to the delivery boy. You, you, just, you got rid of the question mark, didn't you? I just, I just threw the pad of paper just <laughs> across the room. I was like, this is clearly masterpiece because, Sean, we, we go from, they, they make this video and Lloyd offers himself up as a, as a hostage and they're like, okay, we're going to send this, uh, this, this video out. And they send it, they send it out. I guess they send out to the television stations too, right? They just send yeah. it anywhere they can send it. But what we cut to is this tiny redheaded little boy carrying in both hands, just carrying this package. And we're mm-hmm. just following him. Yep. Never seen him before. Don't know who he is. We're just following this cute little redheaded boy walking along. He walks up to the police station, walks inside, walks up to Peter Coyote, gives him this tape. They all watch the tape. And at the end, the little boy Shoots his hands up in the air just like fairs, fairs. his hero, yeah. Billy Jean. Yep. Sean, it, it, every, that moment on its own it's a would have been moment. worth watching the whole movie. Too. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I agree. I loved that. Yeah. And I don't, because I, again, I don't even know how, who was that kid? Who no idea. gave him the tape? Like Doesn't how, matter. when? Yeah. yeah, it do- doesn't. It doesn't. They paid him just, a bubble gum and uh, yeah. and cheese fries or something and oh sent him on his way. God. But that's when I knew it was a masterpiece, just so yeah. we all know the, the exact moment. Yes. Oh, I love that. Having a four-year-old, like, in the house uh, with me all the time, I'd be hard-pressed <laughs> to, you know, you got to be really specific with your instructions to do something like that yeah. with a kid, you know. Um so, I yeah. could see the kid get into the building. Yeah. But then once he's inside the building, man, things get really complicated. Yeah. Hey, can I yeah, speak I to D- Detective Peter Coyote, please? Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> say a word the whole time. It's great. No, it's it's no. a nice little moment for sure. Um, oh, I love that. And, and honestly, it's it's really it, it was after all of that that that's when the, the stuff like just like the level of believability to me it, it just sort of kind of went. The direction where it was a little harder to do because you know sure it's aside i mean i like that like we talked about there's a scene where you know they find out that this kid is is being beaten by his father these other kids are like you're billy jean you know well there's you know, keith over there's getting beat by his dad or something and like she goes and helps that kid and like they're all like all the like these neighborhood kids like as they're walking they're like there's billy jane oh my god like I, I like those moments yeah but you know Hyatt, like, like having a scene where there's multiple people trying to buy a, I guess, a wanted poster of Billie Jean in his shop. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, I don't know. Like, nobody, like, when did he print these? Like, how did, who's, who's buying it? Like, who's buying it? He, right. You know, if it's limited to kids being infatuated with her, I think that's pretty cool. But when it becomes like adults spending their money and like 
I don't know. We like to me and like like I said, like they there's literally Billie Jean frisbees for sale at the beach in this movie, and yeah. towels and everything, and like that to me is just the slight difference of detail where I think they went too far. So, but wait. So what? What went too far? Like first, like you don't believe I don't believe buying that stuff, or they wouldn't be buying it from him. Uh, both or what? Both. Okay. I don't know that he I, would be selling that stuff. I don't believe. Oh, I just don't. I like, bought. I bought all of it. Yeah. Well, well I mean, it's a movie. I forgive it for sure. Yeah. At any rate, yeah, it, it's definitely building to a head. You know. Yeah. Um They've been chased by someone who pulled a gun and shot out their window because there's essentially a $10,000 reward for bringing her in or bringing them in. So not only do they have to be careful about the police finding them, but then now they have to be careful about others finding them and specifically adults. Like, you know, adults won't care. Like, that's the kind of thing. It's like they will kill us just as quickly as they'll, you know, catch us alive. Uh, And also just the weight of all this kind of landing on Billie Jean's shoulders that how responsible of her is it to be dragging Putter and Ophelia along for this ride when really they have nothing to do with it yeah, other than being there. Um, and then Putter gets her period and again, man, <laughs> you don't get, you don't get more feminist than that. You don't. Yeah. Like it is, and it's just like, and, and she and laughs of course, about Christian it. Yeah. Slater's like, "Oh, that's gross," and but not our Billy Jean. It's like that's wonderful, and like, and like, Putter is just like so excited because she's getting older. Like the whole that uh, talk about surprises, yeah. Talk about things you didn't expect to have happen in this movie. Yes, in fact, I think she even uh, then says, well, "When can can I get a di- diaphragm now?" <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of. Romance blossoming between Keith Gordon and Helen Slater. Yeah. But I think they're pretty tactful about that. Well, and the the movie isn't really about her figuring out her love life. Exactly, yeah. As the most important thing in the world, right. yeah. No. Well, let's talk about the big moment at the end then, because that was kind of an interesting scene as well. Yeah. Um, they kind of, uh, again, I think agree to turn themselves in. And bring Keith Gordon back to his father, turn you know, deliver him. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is Pyatt supposed to pay at this point or no? I thought the idea was that they're going to deliver a new bike. Right. But it's happening at Billy Jean Day at the beach. <laughs> and right. uh there's a ton of people there and uh and the cops are there and there are long range sniper sharpshooters there if if i was a townsperson in this movie and i was a big fan of billy jean and i knew the 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 billy jean was going to turn herself in so this is a, a this whole like not crime spree but this whole thing started off by somebody getting shot right there's been numerous reports of gunplay and, you know, people, people trying to shoot them. Like, I don't know that I would go to be there when this all goes down. Oh, but it's not. It's like, you know. No, people party. can't wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a beach party. And at that point, Putter has now cut her hair like Billie Jean. Yep. 
as I remember. So, so uh, yeah, Billie Jean called the cops and had them turned in so they'd be safe. Mm-hmm. And that was a nice little moment when she splits from the rest of the group and there's like, you know, it's like an underground network of kids now. Yeah. Like there's a girl that's got her hair cut like Billie Jean in every different little scene as she moves from place to place and car to car and they're kind of helping her get where she needs to go, you know, and trying to get back to Binks basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff was great. And then... Yeah, you get a nice little switcheroo there at the end where, you know, you've had these silhouetted silhouetted people come walking in and everybody's waiting and it sure looks like Billie Jean and Keith Gordon. And then, uh, was it Hubie again? It was yeah, Hubie. Hubie. Yeah, Hubie takes a, runs up and takes a closer look. And notices that that is actually Christian Slater. Christian Slater has his fake toy gun on Keith Gordon, as you do when you are delivering a hostage. You got to do it. And in the melee of, it's his brother, it's his brother, one of the sharpshooters, bam, takes out Binks's shoulder. Yeah. And uh, it turns out Miss Billie Jean is actually wearing a wig and elsewhere in the crowd and yeah. uh, does not at all appreciate seeing her brother be shot and is running screaming after him. And uh, how did that work for you? Uh, I mean, I kind of got, I kind of got the idea. Uh-huh. So she was there. She was going to go in and make sure that the bike was really there. Right. Did you see uh, Binks getting shot? Did you anticipate that? Uh, only, well, once the sharpshooter showed up, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of figured something like that was going to happen. Um, and I, yeah, I was trying to kind of roll it through my mind and think, you know, like if, if Binks was in the crowd, like why, why would that necessarily be bad? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I could, I could kind of see why. I mean, mm-hmm. if someone figures out it's him, I don't know. How, how does that plan work for you? I kind of liked it, and I actually, uh, unfortunately, had read that he got shot at the end before I saw the movie, so I knew that was going to happen. There's part of me that wonders if it might have been slightly more interesting if Keith Gordon had been shot, because it was his dad that kind of ordered the sharpshooters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it could have been a nice little extra layer to that whole thing, but then I don't know what you would do exactly. I mean, I guess you would just have Billie Jean and Binks get arrested, maybe. Yeah. but I, I liked it, and then I did sort of, and all my complaining about there's no way in hell that anybody would be buying or selling Billie Jean Frisbees, um, you do sort of get the moment at the end there where the the, the crowd kind of realizes that they've been a participant in the in yeah. sort of you know the bullshit of of this story and and in some ways you know playing into. You know, I mean, really disrupting this girl's life, basically. Um, you yeah. know, as much as she wants to be a martyr and an icon, um, you know, they've exploited it and they've kind of participated in that by buying all this crap. And, you know, they start tossing it in the fire, which I thought was kind of a nice little touch um, at the end. And then you get the big statue of Billie Jean, the sort of weird paper mache statue that had been yeah. made for the thing that going up in flames to complete the Joan of Arc uh, analogy. Very nice. Uh, which I liked. Very clean. Yeah. yeah. I did wonder 
during all of that that uh, I was like, hmm, uh, there's a little bit of fire there, and there's a lot of straw around here, and nobody seems really concerned about putting that fire out. And yeah, uh, yeah sure enough, it <laughs> it turns into a gigantic blaze, um, which I thought was kind of kind of fun. It certainly seems, yeah. Uh, pretty dangerous for everyone involved. Yeah, I would have got out of there or just tried to put the fire out before that. But it's also it's like, well, it's Maybe. it's all Pyatt's crap, so you know. It's, oh yeah, it's nice no, to see I, him. I understood that. Lose Still it all. Feel like though that the wind shifts and then pretty much everybody's choking on you know fumes. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, and I hate to say it, but we got a freeze frame ending here, and I don't even remember what was it. Uh, what was in the what happened at the oh, very? Oh no, the freeze frame. Okay, so then, so then we end up in. Vermont. That's right. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, cut to and uh, and Billy Jean's trying to like hitchhike a ride, I think, and then uh, Binks comes out of the <laughs> store behind her with with food, and he notices a red scooter, or not a red snowmobile, scooter, but a red snowmobile. Yeah, it looks yeah reminiscent of his scooter, and that's what we freeze on. Mm-hmm. And I think we go out on in, on Invincible. Is that what it is? We have to. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure it was. Yeah, God knows. Uh, um. Now, what about that as an ending? Because clearly we've had a couple movies that do that where they sort of tack on an, an ending yeah. that doesn't necessarily suggest the story is finished, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that, I guess that's the thing is like I was trying to figure out how they were, were going to end it. And I was mm-hmm. really hoping it wasn't going to be everyone sitting around the hospital room like and Peter Coyote comes in and says, well, they've dropped the charges. And, you know, yeah, that would have been terrible. Go through all the stuff. I felt like, hey, all right, yeah, Vermont scene. I mean, that scene is like sixty seconds long. Yeah, it tells me everything I need to know. Like, you know, yeah, he went to the hospital and had to get fixed up, so he's got a sling on the run again. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so clearly things were were fixed up enough, and now he's in his his dream destination. So, uh, all right, sure, you just got to shoot somebody, and then you can go to Vermont. That's pretty much the lesson of the movie. Well, that's how do you think their 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 population got there in the first place? I mean, the people that are there yeah. now, yeah. It's mostly my wife is from Vermont, so trust. <laughs> I know yeah. a thing or two about shooting people in in, in Vermont. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lovely state. Uh, yes. Yeah, on the whole, definitely, I think this is a uh, surprisingly uh, fun movie and good, mm-hmm. really good, just good performances by young people. Um, I don't know. I, I think it does not need to be. 129th on the year at the box office that's not at all I, th- I think that's that's criminal yeah. and yeah and yeah like i feel like i feel like you know helen slater is just i don't know maybe like a degree away from from being in the brat pack and that would yeah. be all the difference i don't know like uh so yeah man definitely everybody seek out this movie because it has not gotten its due no and uh, even if it's not a masterpiece yet yeah, it has not gotten its due which we can both agree it's it, not but it is it is a masterpiece though We'll agree to disagree, but yeah, it's it's an easy recommend on my part. Um, and I think it's the better of the two. Me too. So check those out. And then, yeah, as always, we'd love to hear what you think of these things. And if you have fond memories of either of these movies, um, let us know. Or you can watch them online. And uh, in many of the streaming locations, they are easily and readily available right now. And guess what? We're back next time. To tee up two more of these suckers as we wind down the year of 85 um, for the year of 2017 at least. And uh, yeah, we hope you'll join us for that. Please do. Craig. 
Sean. Scooter or snowmobile? You only you only get one. Uh man, I'm gonna go scooter. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna go scooter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about you? See, I don't know. I don't I don't want to rely on a scooter as my main mode of transportation, even if I sure. live in a warm place. A snowmobile, that's a lot of that seems like it'd be a lot of fun when you get to use it the rest of the year. You don't have to think about it, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have guys. You know, there's no bullies chasing you on snowmobiles, to my knowledge. No, no, no. That's true. So, that's true. I'll go snowmobiles.